everyone, and welcome back to Serotonin Speaks. I'm Caden Siegel here with a quick update. The Serotonin Squad has been working super hard to bring you the content that you subscribe for, but due to our other academic and personal commitments, unfortunately we haven't been able to keep up with our planned schedule. So, we're going to start releasing one episode per month. If we end up with some cool extra content, who knows, we may end up airing a bonus episode that month as well. But for now at least, the expectation is one episode monthly. This month, three of our hosts revisited their favorite episodes from this season so far. So let's first hear from Julia Messing. Hi, it's Julia, and my favorite episode had to be the kids episode. Um, what makes me happy is when I go to the beach. What makes me happy is when I cuddle and play with my dog. I had a blast hosting it and getting to talk to kids about their thoughts on mental health, ranging of a whole bunch of different ages. And it was just really interesting to see their thoughts and ideas on the topic in general, some a little more serious than others. Having hugs, um, having the Nintendo or the iPad, and yeah, watching something or play dates. And... What makes me happy for a shorter amount of time is playing Roblox. For me, what makes me happy for playing, for me, making me happy for a longer amount of time is playing with my brother and sister. It was just so fun to host and to hear their thoughts, and it was amazing, like how different a lot of their thoughts were from each other and how similar a lot of their thoughts were from each other. Quarantine makes me feel sad because we have to wear masks and I can't do as much stuff as I used to do because I can't travel to places that I want like Mahamas because we can't go there right now since COVID. Um, COVID makes me sad when like I can't like go see my friends that often because like it's work being cautious so i'm usually at home either talking to them or like playing with them and some of the thoughts that they talked about were absolutely hilarious what makes you happy nothing nothing makes you happy Mm -mm. um what makes you happy for a short amount of time what makes you happy really quickly nothing nothing makes you happy what makes you happy for a long period of time There was actually another kid that I interviewed that I sadly, like, screwed up the quality. So, (laughs) kind of didn't get to air that. But I learned a whole lot from this kid. Like, it was amazing the way he talked about himself and about his friends. And it made me realize like a lot about how kids are changing nowadays too how I feel like I was different than them in a lot of ways but also like similar to them in a lot of ways you know and he had a lot of like really good points on topics and The way he talked about others subtly, but like was also completely honest, was really nice and had a few really funny bloopers too that I enjoyed. I really enjoyed the fact that two of the girls I interviewed decided to be interviewed together. Like that's completely new to me because I've always interviewed 
people one-on-one or sometimes had sent in things but they were so cool like they stood back to back on a little like basketball hoop that I had outside when I was interviewing them and one was on one side of the hoop and the other was on the other side of the hoop and man it was like really cute like the way they just bounced off each other's energy when they were talking in the recording and I just remember watching them there and it was like kind of funny too because they were like back to back and they were like laughing a little it was so cute what makes me happy for a shorter amount of time is playing roblox for me what makes me happy for playing for me making me happy for a longer amount of time is playing with my brother and sister what makes me happy um for a short amount of time is um playing roblox and um the longest amount of time that makes me happy is going to um going to ice cream when i got first sent in the interview with the (laughs) with the mom interview i thought it was hilarious um She's obviously a little younger, so I would understand why she felt more comfortable being interviewed with her mom. And I was super excited because I was like, oh man, you know, we're going to get a really cool thought about mental health from someone even on the younger side of the kid's age. I was like, I cannot wait to hear this interview. And we got a text and we're like, you know, this interview might not exactly be what you're expecting. And I was like, oh, no, like, did it not work out or something? I was a little nervous, but we got a recording. So (laughs) I clicked on it. Oh, man, nothing could could have prepared me (laughs) for what I was going to hear. It was, oh, my gosh, it was so funny, that interview, and especially the fact that all of it was done by her mom. And I could honestly imagine how much different it would be if I or someone else had done it instead. Like, it definitely added a lot to it, the fact that it was done in in her own home, I feel like. So I thought it was kind of cool the way that we got a little take on it and I feel like everyone had at least a little bit of a laugh from it. I feel like just in general that episode was so much fun to air and everyone was so much fun to interview and it was definitely harder to find younger kids that were willing to do it but I'm so glad that we ended up airing it because it was a whole lot of fun to do. I could not stop smiling while editing this episode. I couldn't tell you how many times I just had the urge to quote everything that these kids said to all of my friends. I just had so much fun editing this one. I think one of my favorite parts about being the editor is getting to hear all of the unfiltered, unpolished, raw recordings rather than just the official published version. This episode was one example where we just couldn't fit everything in, and the next episode is another great example of that. So let's hear from Adrian Kido-Snugent. Hey, it's me, Adrian. So far, my favorite 
uh, episode of Serotonin Speaks has to be the ADHD one. It stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And it basically means you have a short attention span or you're very hyperactive. Well, I had two interviews in that episode, which was the most I've had at the time. And the first one was really short and simple. Has it had an effect on your academic performance or preferred learning type? Uh, yeah, it has. When Before I was medicated, I couldn't sit still in class and uh, I got in trouble for not paying attention. But the second one was just a whole lot of fun to do. It was just really fun talking to Eli. Hola. Como esta, señor? About, you know, the experience with having ADHD. Has ADHD had an effect on your academic performance or preferred learning type? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, obnoxiously so. I, I cannot focus, especially not in high school, and we can just like have our Chromebooks and do whatever we want. I, I do not trust myself with that kind of freedom, and no one else should either, because I know my way around. I spent the entirety of class the other day reading a webcomic about space probes talking about football, <laughs> and I preferred that to my work. Uh, kind of understandable, but... Yeah, you know, you do you. In the original interview, there was a bunch of, like, there there was some really, really funny parts. But unfortunately, because of our mic quality, we've had to cut some of them. And, uh, and you know, it just, it really felt like a genuine conversation rather than just like a business meeting type formal thing. Okay, so this is going to be a controversial opinion, especially considering that one YouTube ad that's going around, like, people with ADHD say... 10 hours sitting with this chromebook. But no, by all means, I hate that ad. I cannot listen to textbooks. I can't listen to lectures. I can't listen to TED Talks. If people are talking at me rather than to me, I will tune out. I am my own distraction. My brain, I, I go, hey, can we focus on listening to what they're saying? And it goes, can, do you like pina colada? That was, that was a good lyric drop. Very unexpected. <laughs> 10 out of 10, I have have a brain. Uh, also, also, Whenever I see that uh, ADHD text to speech thingy ad, I always skip it when I say when it says "Go ahead, by all means, skip this ad," and it makes me feel powerful. You know, I feel like that's what like pod- most podcasts should be about. You know, it should feel like a conversation, which this one really did. It was super fun, Eli. If you're listening, you're cool. <laughs> There were so many tangents in that episode that I unfortunately had to cut due to audio quality or just time, but it was so fun nonetheless. This was actually Eli's second time being on Serotonin Speaks as he was first interviewed as part of a group interview by Madeline Gold. I'm Madeline Gold, and my favorite episode from Serotonin Speaks thus far has been the LGBTQ lens. Hi, my name's Eli, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm a bi-trans man. I go by they, them pronouns, and... I'm still questioning my identity, but I identify as gender fluid. I really enjoyed hosting this episode with Heather, and I loved getting to interview so many different people from so many different backgrounds. Um, my pronouns as of right now are they, she. Um, I am bisexual, and I, my gender identity is currently unlabeled. My pronouns are she, her, and my sexuality is bisexual. I use he, him pronouns, and I am a queer trans man. As someone who doesn't identify as a member of the LGBTQ community, I had, and definitely still have, a lot to learn. What helped you discover your identity, and in that, did you experience any kind of uh, difficulty with, like, gender dysphoria, social, physical, 
um, like barriers to discovering your identity. I was lucky enough to have discovered my sexuality at a very young age. Like we're talking elementary school here, but apparently I also discovered my gender identity even younger than that and forgot about it for like five years. So I thought gender dysphoria was something everyone experienced. Um, <laughs> for me, I was lucky enough to have met Eli. And that's, um, so we met in like early-ish middle school, but we really got closer together over quarantine. And um, basically over the quarantine summer, we hung out a lot more. And he actually helped me figure out uh, like the LGBTQ community, like learn more about it. And he actually did help me through learning about my gender identity, sexuality, and all that stuff. And even though I'm still like questioning it right now, he is like, you know, my, a really big supporter of mine. Um, with gender dysphoria, uh, I do, I do struggle with it mildly, but it's not something I, you know, uh, freak out a lot on, but it definitely is there. Um, I had a kind of separate experience because I didn't know Eli again in middle school. Um, so I first started figuring things out um, the summer before seventh grade. And I kind of did an odd little loop where I first figured things out pretty quickly, especially in terms of gender. And then I spent a couple of years being like, wait, was I confused? And going back and like trying out different labels and ended up, you know, settling on the first one that I thought. But honestly, it was more of a process for me figuring out my sexuality than my gender, um, which I don't know if that's strange or not, but um I I went through a whole little process of like I thought I was ace. I thought I was a lesbian. <laughs> I thought I, I was, that turned out. <laughs> I thought I was non-binary and only attracted to women. Uh, and then now I'm here. I am dating a man. I am also very distinctly not a woman uh, women not a woman so you know I'm not a lesbian for a couple reasons but uh but yeah it it was a process um and with dysphoria I mean it's always been a pretty big factor in my life I didn't have a name for it like Eli did when I was little I also kind of thought that it was um something everyone experienced but I also had a very odd relationship with gender when I was little. I didn't understand it in concept. So I didn't really know what it was. Hosting this episode provided a lot of insight into the LGBTQ mental health experience and how it might differ from my own. Um, personally, I've had my experience with straight, uh, straight, cis, all the things in between. And... It's, I don't feel as comfortable as I do when I'm with like other people who are in the LGBTQ community. I guess it's just because like they just have a different vibe. I just feel more comfortable around them. They understand me more. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's just something else. I guess like Eli explained it pr uh, really well with like how gay media and straight media are like complete polar opposites. Of, really. Can I jump in? Um, I've had a different experience than my here because. The majority of my friends are were, were straight until I switched schools, and uh, they still are actually. My best friends are all straight, and I think there's kind of a difference between friends who are straight and have experience with gay 
gay LGBT people and friends who aren't, aren't used to that. Because in my experience, the, the people who are still friends with me are people who just were able to send me. A lot of people just were very uncomfortable with me coming out as gay and not trans. They, they kind of ditched me. But then my like actual friends stayed. I got the privilege to learn about so many aspects of this experience, from school to friends to family and more. Do you feel comfortable being a part of the LGBTQ plus community at school? I do, but mainly just because of my friends. Like, if I wasn't in a big, like, out and open about it LGBTQ group, probably not, just because it'd be weird being, like, feeling like such, like, an outsider and, like, different. But I think, like, the support system that I have at school is really amazing. And, yeah, I just, I'm very lucky to have such amazing people to surround myself with. As an example, when I interviewed Elle, I found it really cool that some of their teachers made an extra emphasis to get students to incorporate their pronouns into their identity from the get-go when introducing themselves at school. Some of my teachers are truly amazing. Like, we had, like at the beginning, like the first day or so of school, they were like, oh, make little like name tags or whatever for yourself. And the teachers that like made a note to be like, hey, guys, add your pronouns. Like those are my favorite teachers. That's, it's not like I don't like the other ones, but like they always like stood out to me because that's like such an amazing first impression to like make on all your students. They said that this made them feel much more comfortable in this environment and that she felt more heard by and connected to these teachers, which is something that I know can significantly improve anyone's school experience. In addition, getting to interview Cedar, Hyun, Eli, and Danny as a group gave me really good insight into how friends can impact the mental health of a member of the LGBTQ community. Uh, personally, I like I, I feel more comfortable when I'm hanging around friends. Like, I don't know, I just feel like very free to express myself. For them, having each other as resources has significantly improved all of their mental health experiences through school and beyond. I thought it was really cool that they were all able to have such different backgrounds in terms of the coming out process and discovering their own identities, but were able to relate to each other through the common thread of their community the gays. The gays. and be able to provide this kind of support for each other. That being said, it was also really interesting to hear their opinions on the trans-gay experience versus the cis-gay experience and how understanding and communication between these groups may differ. For me, it's not really a question of straight versus not straight in some in whatever way. It's more trans versus cis. Um, because <clears throat> I think the trans-gay experience and the cis-gay experience are incredibly different. Mm-hmm. And I also have found that in my experience, a cis person, be be they straight or queer or just anything, are incredibly more likely to misgender you and to very clearly not think of you as like your gender and rather think of you as a trans person and nothing past that than any trans person will. Though there's more education about trans people among like cis queer people than among cis straight people, it's still not prevalent enough. Yeah. Additionally, the media's representation or frequently its misrepresentation of the LGBTQ community leaves many of its members victim to homophobia and harassment. Listening to this group describe the influence of social media sites like YouTube and Tumblr on LGBTQ youth demonstrated just how targeted this demographic is. I was on the internet too much as a kid. (laughs) 
oh, sorry. Yeah, once again, I'm in with a really negative perspective. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I was on some interesting parts of the internet as a kid, which also probably scared me away from ever being trans. But um, I was on a pretty like trans med section of the internet, and also just like anti-trans sections of like YouTube, um, where they were like making fun of people who like hadn't fully transitioned i was like this seems fine but like no and i think that also scared me away from trans again because i was like i'll never be able to pass it's like it's a weird section to be in an area that hates you yeah i had similar experience i used tumblr (laughs) a lot (laughs) um i was like an active avid tumblr user (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely better now, uh, though TikTok in some senses is kind of becoming Tumblr, and I do, I am a fairly active TikTok user as well, but um, Tumblr, with its, like, weird misinformation that it spread and all the transmedicalism that was everywhere was a very harmful space to be on. Yeah, it was full of just, like, these images of trans people, like, telling other younger trans people to do harmful things to their bodies for the exclusive sake of passing and like binding in unsafe ways and things like that. But it was also just full of people being like, oh, if you use they, them pronouns, you're not, you're not really trans. Like you're, you're faking. Like if you use neo pronouns, like what are you? It was just like so much awful rhetoric and it was so harmful. (laughs) The pressure put on this group of people is immeasurable and to me indicates that we as human beings are doing something wrong. Clearly, there's still much we can improve on, and by listening to people like Elle, Eli, Danny, Cedar, and Hyun, we can all learn a little bit more about how to become more accepting, more supporting, and more encouraging of the LGBTQ community. It is becoming more and more of an open platform for those who do not match the stereotypical heterosexual cisgender narrative to share their voices, and we all need to be there for them every step of the way. This episode taught me so much about what it means to be a member of the LGBTQ community and how I as an ally can better support my friends who identify this way. This episode is a must-listen for everyone. I loved editing this episode, and the group interview structure in particular was absolutely one that I enjoyed. It was a bit tougher to edit due to everyone's mics having different volumes and such, but the way our group interviewees were able to bounce off of each other and just have a good time together really brought something special to the episode. I'm definitely hoping to have another group interview in the future. And that's all for this episode of Serotonin Speaks from Serotonin Says Mental Health. If you haven't already, please follow or subscribe to Serotonin Speaks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and please recommend the show to a friend. For more mental health-related content, check out the Serotonin Says website at serotoninsays.com. There, you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter and support Mental Health America by buying our merch. You can also follow us on social media at Serotonin Says on Instagram. The links to everything are in the episode notes. This episode was edited by me, Caden Siegel, and featured hosts Julia Messing, Adrian Kudos-Nugent, and Madeline Gold. Thanks to all of the interviewees you heard this month, Thanks as always to the rest of the Serotonin squad, and most of all, thanks to you for listening to Serotonin Speaks from Serotonin Says Mental Health. We'll see you in February.